Hello and welcome to the Nashville Daily Podcast. I'm Stuart Deming. Joining me in studio today is the artist known as Troy, aka Troy Darty, and he is here playing live music in studio today. Troy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. All right, let's get started. What's this song called? This one's called Unbreakable. It was uh, written by myself and a friend of mine named Evan Fredrickson. It is on Spotify. It is on Apple Music. It's everywhere. So here's a little taste. I reminisce about the good times That haven't happened yet I think of all the places I would go If I could just afford it I'm unbreakable. Mmm, tasty. So much fun. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> we, different. We, we, we don't get live music in the studio that often, so it's always fun when an artist comes and says, hey, let's do this live. Yeah, and I'm no, like, why not? yeah, absolutely. So what is your Nashville story? Well, I was living in Los Angeles about uh, two years ago. I moved here about two years ago. And I was living in Los Angeles. I'm an actor as well, so... I was doing shows like The Last Ship. I was on This Is Us, Victorious. And I... Did you have any like key roles in those yeah, shows? Or? Yeah, I was, a, I was a guest star in, in This Is Us. Okay. And I was able to do a scene with Mandy Moore. Oh, that's very um, cool. Yeah, it was exciting. I played um, John Smiley, who was the lefty pitcher for the, Pittsburgh, uh, for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Okay. Which was exciting. And then for The Last Ship, I was this character named Clayton Swain, who was a college student who basically predicted how we were going to get attacked. And then he was brought onto the Navy and I had a fight scene. And it was cool. That's cool. Did you do your own stunts or did you have stunts? I did. I did. Okay. Have, I did do my own stunts. Um, there wasn't a ton of, of stunts, but okay. I did uh, throw Windex on a guy and stab him a few times. So That's fun. it was pretty. Uh, it's kind of like a, my big fat Greek wedding. <laughs> with, you can fix everything with Windex. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that is literally my family. Yeah. <laughs> so then you, you moved here two years ago. I moved here. Yeah. Just about two years ago. I wrote a song, um, back in, um, well, I, no, I don't know the exact day, but I wrote a song and I remember writing it kind of for me, you know, and that's kind of how I wrote a lot of my music. I started writing music at 14 and a lot of it was just for me just to express myself to kind of work through emotions. Um, and I ended up playing it for a friend of mine. And she was like, this needs to be heard by other people. Um, you need to have other people feel this because they're feeling it. And you just said it perfectly. Um, and that's actually a song called Mistake, which will come out on my EP. And like a week later, I booked a show at a coffee shop. And actually, um, my now producer, Marty Fredrickson, heard that song um, at, like, at the coffee shop. 
No, he actually, my, my, um, my uncle, Michael Keeling, um, sent it to Marty. They're very, very good friends. And he's like, Hey, you got to hear the song. And Marty heard it. And he's like, yeah, have him come to Nashville. And I was kind of like, ah, you know, um, being in LA, I didn't really know what to do. I was so like, Oh, if I have an audition, what am I going to do? And a part of me was just like, go, just go. Did you ever visit Nashville before you moved here? No, no. I've, so I've never. No clue. I'd ne- I've never been here. Okay. My aunt, um, my aunt Amy, actually moved here maybe a year, year and a half prior to when I got here, and so I was like, you know what? I'll go. I'll spend some time with her. You know, I'll be there maybe two months tops, and I'll fly back. Um, little did she know, I'd still be in her house two years later. But <laughs> but um, but we enjoy each other's company, and it's been a really interesting and. It's been a blessing. It's been a really eye-opening experience to be here. So did you stop acting? Or are you trying to act here in, in Tennessee, in Nashville? Or no, no, I didn't stop acting. I okay. think, you know, with COVID, everything kind of shut down that whole industry. So I kind of took the opportunity to be able to just live in being a musician and yeah, maybe I didn't go and play places and I didn't really do that type of thing. But I started doing this concert series in my neighborhood called the cul-de-sac concerts where I basically went out on my driveway on a Thursday with a, a ring light and an amp and I started playing music for the neighbors. And did you live stream all of those uh, I did. performances? Okay. I did. That um, explains the ring light. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to look good, you know? Yeah. Um, and about... You know, it was a month or two later, and nobody was there. Nobody was there. It was just me playing for an empty cul-de-sac, me doing my own, like, yeah, oh, my God, he's so good, you know, type of stuff. And over time, I just had neighbors kind of flocking towards the cul-de-sac, and then around July 4th, um, bands in town was like, hey, like, can you do a live stream? We kind of reached out, and so we actually— So they just reached out to you because they watched your live streams? Well, a, a friend of mine, actually, um, her name's Caroline— she was like, hey, um, these bands and sound streams are like are looking for kind of people. And, and I think th- you would be great for it. And so she kind of sent me the information and I kind of sent an email just like, hey, you know, um, my friend Caroline, you know, and they were like, yeah, we'd love to um, just let's do it. And it so did they bring like a full blown production team? For no, this it was kind of okay. basically the way that it happened was. It was kind of on us, you know, it was kind of like, oh, let's film it. You know, I had an iPad, a GoPro and uh, another phone and we kind of just did like a three point type of dealio. And so we live streamed one of the cul-de-sac shows and, you know, we like panned the audience and there was like 170 people there. Oh, that's fantastic. At this point. And it was wow. like kids and families. They were all socially distanced, yeah, of, of course. course, but it was like a little bit of normalcy in like this whole weird time and everybody was having fun and it was kind of it's magnificent to kind of go back and watch that stream um because halfway through the show these two little girls just wandered up on stage that's awesome like just onto my driveway that's that's nashville and so (laughs) like like they were like two and so you know we're like would you like to sing with us and then it's like balloons were flying everywhere it was amazing it was that's that's fantastic. We're going to have that live stream in our show notes. So if you guys want to go back and watch that live stream, mm-hmm. you can. Absolutely. That's awesome. So 
But before you moved from L.A. to Nashville, you also grew up in the Northeast. I did. And so what part of the Northeast were you from? I'm a Jersey boy. Okay. I'm a Jersey boy. Um, Grew up uh, exit 98, Wall Township, New Jersey. Okay. Right uh, right near Asbury Park. So right where Springsteen. Okay. You know. All the controversy he's in recently. (laughs) I guess. I mean, like, you know, but that's where that's where I'm from, you know. Um, So do you miss the the coastline and everything or? Yeah, my heart's kind of always at the beach. Okay. I mean, even when I was in Los Angeles, going to the beach was stressful to find parking. But once I found it, it was blissful. Um, And the Atlantic Ocean to me is a little bit better because it's warmer. It's got that... uh, Gulf heat coming oh, yeah, up from that it. Up it, and um, and Belmar, which is basically the town right next to Wall, is a huge surfing town. Um, the Belmar Pro is like in one of the top surfing competitions. Oh, that's awesome! So to kind of grow up in that was cool, and to kind of have that type of skill. Even though I'm not the greatest surfer in the world, I can stand up on the board and we, you know. But just to be a part of that was interesting, you know. And then you also, uh, growing up, you were part of um, the acting world as well, mm-hmm. but in musical theater and theater. So explain explain all of that like process and everything. Yeah, so I started doing theater when I was in third grade. Um, I did a, a show called Alice in Wonderland Through the Looking Glass, and I played Humpty Dumpty. And I really didn't want to do it because I was nervous and it was weird, and I remember there were two girls in my class who were like, oh, we're also doing it, so you shouldn't. And I was like, okay, uh, that was kind of mean, but I ended up becoming really good friends with them in the process, and I really enjoyed performing. Um, I grew up singing, basically, right when I popped out, I was singing. At least that's what my parents tell me. And I did Grease two years later in fifth grade, and I sang Beauty School Dropout. Oh, that's fun. And just feeling that, like, yeah. Of the crowd. <laughs> I looked at my parents and I was like, I want to do this professionally. Yeah. I want to perform. And my parents are so supportive. They were like, all right, well, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it right. We're not going to half-ass it. We're going to do it. And so my mom would drive me to New York like every day. Okay. And I was doing voice lessons. And oh, I was well. going on auditions and doing commercials. I did Chuck E. Cheese commercials. And I was blessed to actually have... A good trajectory of, of, of working. And then uh, my first kind of big thing was Oliver in Long Island at the John W. Ingeman Theater, like we were talking about before, right during the writer's strike. Um, so a bunch of um, Broadway actors kind of were looking for work. So I was able to work with them, uh, like Michelle Dijon from Chicago. And it was, and just having that rapport with them and just to kind of feel the professionalism there and, and learn how dedicated you have to be to the craft was really eye-opening for me, and, and especially at such a young age. I think I was 12. And then a year later to be working in Kansas City, Missouri, at the um, the KC Rep Theater doing oh, wow. um, A Christmas Story, the musical. Okay. With the guys who wrote Dear Evan Hansen. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's like to be a part of that it was really exciting. And then my voice changed. So... Can't go on Broadway and sing live if you're going to, you know, you can't do that. So, and I wanted to do uh, more TV and film anyway. So in this transition period, that's when I started writing music. Okay. And I started writing my teenage angst 
of like, I don't know what to do with my feelings. How, how do you feel that that time of you going through theater and doing all these live shows have influenced you as an artist today? I think that's a good question. I think that doing the live theater when I was younger kind of make uh, like shows like a comfortability factor of being on stage and it being like, yeah, I'm performing and that's okay. And I can, and I can be myself up there and it not be weird or have me judge myself while I'm up there. Um, I mean, I still get nervous when I go and do a show anytime I kind of do a performance and I, and I like that. I mean, that's okay. It's like, that makes me human that I'm still like, Oh my gosh, like what if my, you know, type of type of stuff, but being up there, it's like, it's like, I'm, I'm, it's effortless, you know, being able to let go and just live in the moment because with acting, we're going to shoot that moment seven, eight, nine times. We're going to just replay the same moment and we're going to capture it each time. But with a live performance, it is the moment. You know, that is... Yeah, if you mess up, you there's you can't fix it. You can't. In, and, that, in and, that performance. And sometimes the best parts of, perform, of a performance are when you mess up. I mean, when I know when I go to a show and somebody goofs, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, that was so enjoyable because it's like, oh, the mold was cracked a little bit. And you see the human aspect of it of like, you know what, let's just, uh, we're going to do that again. Um, and we're just going to start over or, you know, that's, that's what makes live performing. So live, so real is it's not like, it's never going to be perfect. Yeah. I had the, uh, I had the opportunity growing up. So I, I performed in a show choir and I was mm-hmm. in New York state, all choir and oh, all nice. those, all of those things. And so I had those opportunities to perform live and it's just, it's a very eye opening experience when you mess up, you're like, okay. I just got to get better for the next time. Uh, thankfully, I'm not being judged right now because everyone else is messing up, too. Uh, yeah. So it's just it's a really interesting thing doing those live shows. So are you still doing the call to sack shows right now? Well, um, I'm going to. Um, so just because of the cold, um, it was not um, ideal. I mean, I didn't think I was going to get anybody out in that ice storm. Hey, come in. <laughs> like, listen to music. But I think uh, come like April. Um, April, May in that kind of region, I'm going to start doing it um, probably every other week again. And I'd like to have a band this time. Like it was, it was Evan who wrote uh, Unbreakable with me, Evan, and I were performing. Um, basically, he was, we, it was just the two of us, but I would like to have, you know, a bassist and a drummer and kind of make it more of a, an event. Now that especially everything's opening to be able to kind of have more of a fun more lively experience of like live live music instead of like a stripped down live um and then maybe even have people come and and hey you want to open and do you want to perform here and because it's it's really it's a lot of practice i mean to get those 10,000 hours to be able to perform in front of an audience who is just like yeah we're just here for a good time we just love that you're doing this yeah like you can mess up all day yeah, and, and we just, don't care <laughs> and we're going to just love it. Yeah. Um, it really relaxes you, or at least it relaxes me because I don't have to overthink it. Like the pressure I put on myself of, oh, it has to be perfect. Like you just said in Inquire, if you mess up, it's like I can't dwell on the mess up. I got to just move on. 
It's like, oh. Well, for me, it was interesting because I was dancing and singing. And mm-hmm. so I had to focus on the dancing aspect more than the, the singing aspect mm-hmm. because if you mess up when you're dancing, you could fall off the stage. <laughs> yeah, and that's not good. No, it's not fun at all. That happened to me <laughs> once or twice. <laughs> so it's, just, it's not fun. Uh, so what was 2020 like as an artist in Middle Tennessee? 2020, to me, really was a blessing. And it was a really weird year. I think, I mean, for everybody, really. But for me as an artist, yeah, the first few weeks were tough. Um, I just came off of uh, a show in New York. I, I did my first So Far show in New York, and that was super exciting. And then the national emergency happened. And I thought as a performer in, in January, February, March, that I was like, yeah, I'm playing. I'm starting to play places. I'm starting to get in my groove. And then March happened. And everybody was like, nope, can't travel anymore. Can't go anywhere. All you have to do is do nothing. And so I kind of took the first two weeks to be like, all right, let's just sleep all the time. And that was okay because I didn't feel like I had to do anything. But then there came a point where I just wanted to perform. And it was actually my dad's idea of just like, why don't you go outside and just play? Because I was seeing a bunch of people do Instagram lives and I was getting a little FOMO of like, oh, I have to go do this. But I'm afraid to do it. And my dad was like, just go outside and and do it. What's the worst that's going to happen? And, you know, those moments where you're like, I don't want to do that at all. Yeah. But in your heart, you're like, I have to do that. Yeah. It was one of those moments. Okay. And I love those moments because that's a growth moment of just like, yeah, go into the uncomfortable and live there and find the comfortability there. And so that's what I did. I kind of went and it was the best thing that happened because. So how long was your first concert, like your outdoor concert? 30 minutes. Okay. 30 minutes That's a perfect time. of just my own songs and maybe two covers. Okay. And I played the same songs for like four weeks in a row. Okay. I'm just like, here are the same things. I'm, you know, I don't have any, but I was doing it. I showed up and that was really the biggest battle for me was being like, oh, well, nobody's there. You know, who, who's going to miss it? Yeah. Since nobody's because there. No one knows it's happening. Since nobody knows it's happening. Yeah. But in the moments where I actually thought that, it was, that's when, like, I'd see people coming. And I'm like, oh, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) I now have to do it. You know? There's a family showing up. Yeah, it's like, oh, they're bringing a cart and chairs. And people were then yelling covers. And I was like, I don't know how to play that song. So we'll just, we're just going to go for it, you know? And they didn't even care. It was just. You know, and I would do chalk. I would chalk the neighborhood of like live music in the cul-de-sac. That's awesome. And I had a few people be like, I thought you were either some 40-year-old man (laughs) who was trying or some 16-year-old kid who was trying. And I was like, well, I'm a 24-year-old person trying, trying. you know. (laughs) So I was somewhere in between. And honestly, that helped me. I felt like it fast-tracked to where I am now, where I can kind of sit down and perform. And and also in all of that, my producer had more time because 
everybody wasn't working anymore. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to spend some time with Troy. And I put out Unbreakable and Undercover all in 2020. And it was both produced and recorded all in 2020. And and Foolish was actually recorded in, in 2019. Okay. So it was... But we were kind of thinking, oh, was it the first one to release? And Unbreakable just felt so good for the time of like, if you think I'm losing the fight, I'll get back up because I'm Unbreakable. Yeah. And in a time where the world felt like it was broken. What's uh, what's the theme of Undercover, like the story behind that? And then we'll play it here live in studio. So Undercover is kind of about that moment where you just start messing around with someone, but you don't want to tell your friends yet. It's like, it's just that sweet little. Okay. Po- I'm under the covers. It's sweetly. <laughs> yeah, it's a sweet little pocket of like, I don't want anybody to know except for this one other person. And then at, you know, and then as time goes on, you know, um, and it's, just, that's what it was about. And it was kind of this, like I had a, thing in that in that realm of like wow I'm, I'm really good friends with this person and all of our friends group is like yeah but they don't know that we leave together you know they might suspect some things but we're all like nah did this all happen in 2020 or was this somewhere no else? i i kind of wrote it and i find that um some songs you know take some time i mean i wrote undercover in like 20 minutes yeah it was just one of those that you know, I woke up and I remember leaving the gym and I was just kind of waking up on a man, you know, and it was just there. And I had to get home because I was like, okay, I got to like, you know, you know, I was like, I had to be there um, because sometimes inspiration hits and it's like, you got to catch it. Yeah, absolutely. You so know? let's, uh, if you don't mind, let's play yeah, let's studio. Let so we'll that. take a second to get set up. Mm-hmm. Bright side of the bed with you, mid to am love that neither one of us regret. Ooh, ooh. In a couple hours, we'll go separate ways, not telling anybody that we're on the same page. We got everybody thinking that we're just friends, but what they don't know is that you and me go crazy on a Monday morning, laying it low, keeping it quiet, don't want anyone knowing you leave with me. Sleep with me, can't get you out of my head That undercover love, in and out of the bed Whoa, whoa That was great Thank you <laughs> So Thank much you. fun Thank uh, you Yeah, it's like, a, it's a nice little ditty yeah, it's a fun one, um, and produced. It's got like horns and oh, that's awesome. a little James Brown kind now, of. Feeling. Were you playing the horns at all? Or? I was playing the horns. That's yeah, awesome. I played trumpet in like the fourth grade band. Okay, did you remember how to play trumpet for this song? Um, no, uh, but I, <laughs> <laughs> um, I told myself I did, and so I just kind of squeezed it out. Um, I went to uh, I think it's Shuff's Music in Franklin, okay. um, and rented a trumpet. Because my trumpet was still in L.A. Because I had, I was still paying rent in Los Angeles the entire time I was here. That's awful. Because I couldn't break my lease. Yeah, yeah. And I had a roommate. I felt so bad. Um, Because I was like, yeah, new roommates. Yeah. One month in. And I'm like, I'm a (laughs) (laughs) dip. 
but yeah, we, I played horns and it's just it was it's a cool vibe, man. It's definitely definitely I it's, different. I think that's the first song I've heard uh, when your publicist contacted me. I was like, oh man, this is a fun song. I want, mm-hmm. I want this guy on the podcast. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. So um, so. What have you discovered in Franklin, Tennessee that's mm-hmm. completely different than L.A.? Is myself a cheesy answer? <laughs> no. no that, that's, I think that's a good answer. Um, yeah, on a serious note, I guess myself, um, you know, I kind of grew up a lot here, which is, which is cool. I, I find I'm one of those people who I feel like I pick up a lot from other people, um, frequency-wise. Um, and in Los Angeles, I felt like I was just picking up everybody's anxiety. Like it was just this big bubble of, I have to make it or else I'm a failure. And that's just not healthy at all. And when I was here, maybe it's the trees, maybe it's like the actual grass that I can see, but it was like, oh, all that was away. And I was like, wow, you know what? Let me just enjoy what I have. Um, enjoy writing, enjoy have you found that the the attitude here is very like collaborative and very like united? I do. I do find, and I don't know if that's just um, Tennessee or Nashville or if it's um, the music industry. Um, I know that for me, when it comes to auditioning for something, it's kind of you or me to get the job. While writing a song, it could be you and me, and together we can make something great. And with acting, it's the same way, of course, if you're building a cast. But when you're both going for the same role, it's like, it can't be both of us. But if you're writing a, a bomb song, it's like, yeah, let's let's take this train together. And that's been really, it's been really nice because it feels more like friendship than I'm playing the game. Yeah, and the, the game in L.A. and New York is very cutthroat and very in your face and saying, hey, if I can't have it my way, no one can have it their way. And there's something good about that, too. Yeah, there's, there like, there's a confidence there, which is which is electric. Yeah. To see somebody be like, I am, I'm the guy, I'm the man, and, like, you're going to listen to what I say because I'm important. And there's something about that where it's just like, yeah, oh, I love that confidence. Um, but at the same time, I've learned that it you can have it both ways. You don't always have to be the guy in the room to put your foot down. Um, you could put your foot down, but like not on somebody's throat, you know, you could just put it down and talk about it. Yeah. And then, and then that's the thing about middle Tennessee is, uh, it has that type of nature. Like, Hey, let's sit down and actually discuss this stuff instead of cut each other. Yeah. And it's, you know, I find that, I mean, every place is going to have their isms, you know, every place is going to have their little clicks that are, you know, you know, have their own little things. But since I've been here, I've kind of felt the, the open arms of it a little bit more of, of even being new here and, and meeting people and just be like, yeah, let's do a right. And like, I'll give you a chance rather than being like, well, you know what? You're not really worth my time. Um, and I'm sure there will come a time where certain people will do that. And you know, it ebbs and flows and that's okay. But, um, at my, my experience, it's kind of been more, yeah, like I said, open, which has been nice. What, uh, what in Franklin, what uh, type of restaurants do you go to pretty often? Uh, well, there's a new one, um, at the Harpeth Hotel called, I've, 
I've heard this thing is amazing. Seventeen ninety nine. Yeah, I've yeah. heard it's the best steakhouse possibly in the country. It's uh, the food is it is bomb. It's bomb. Um, I may be biased since uh, I kind of like you know work there sometimes, uh, <laughs> and by sometimes I mean I work there, um, and that's a. Uh, and that's okay. I mean, like, but the food is it, there. Is it classified as a steakhouse or I is it a no southern idea? Because my my buddy called me the other day and he's like, "Dude, I just I have to tell you about this steak I just had." And he he literally described the steak, and I was like, "Dude, tell me more. Like, I, I want to hear more about this." Yeah. And he sent me a photo afterward, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, yeah, it's insane." I mean, and I've never had a steak described the way he was describing the steak. Yeah, it's like unfair. It's like watching the Food Network, but like in front of you. Yeah. Like it, it's like, but you're you're on the network. You uh, know. I mean, the food is so good, and the chefs are so good. What's, and, like, one of your favorite things on the, the menu? I, you know, personally, it's it's super simple, but, like, I love the Brussels sprouts. I love Brussels it's, sprouts. So, basically... And I, so, if somebody talks about good Brussels sprouts, I have I don't really them. know... Yeah, you got to go. I mean, I don't really know what they do to it, even though I, I watch them make it. But it's so good. It's so good. And um, I don't do cheese. Um, and I'm, you know, unpopular opinion, I'm not a huge fan of bacon. Um... But both of those things come on the Brussels sprouts. So it sounds amazing. So for me, I'm kind of like, let's just hold those. Is it like a garlic parmesan crusted Brussels sprout? No. Okay. No. It's like uh it's like Brussels sprouts and it's like aioli with like like oranges or, or mandarins or something. Like it's you, it's, have, you have me sold. I, I'm telling yeah. you, man. I'm gonna show you a picture okay. of these Brussels sprouts yeah. whenever I get a chance. And then like I'm gonna see if I can look it up right now. And I'm telling you, man, it's like it's the best thing. I've had I've had the duck there, which is like not even fair. Um the steaks are like cutting in butter. Yeah, that's what I hear. Like you can you can cut it with a fork. Like wow. it's so good. Um pasta's bomb. The you know the the drinks, I don't drink, but I know the drinks there. I've heard that they're like Do they do their uh, their own in-house coffee too or is it strictly Um there's a coffee shop in the okay. hotel which is um on the other side of the hotel. Okay. Not, you know, it's not yeah, a yeah. far walk, but, um, I know that they have like, I, you know, the people rave about it. You know, it's been, you know, here's my little, uh, you know, sponsored ad. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> take it, take the opportunity. Come to 1799, you know? Um, but yeah, it's, it's great. I'm, I'm seeing if I can find these Brussels sprouts. Um, so what's the, well, let's just say what's like, what's the average, uh, entree price looking for, like looking at, it's uh, it's it's expensive. Okay. I mean, it's definitely here. We go. Boom. Look at that. All right, we're looking at these Brussels. Look at those wow. Brussels that's uh, I think that's mandarin. Yeah. Is that feta cheese too? It is. Okay. And then parsley. Hmm. Oh man. And those some things. like and uh, it's not bacon. It's like it's 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 uh, um, lardons. Yeah. Um, I'm telling you, man. Welcome to the south. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> like there's a picture of their drink. Oh wow. Like a drink and. Uh, yeah, it's it's so good. I also really uh, enjoy Brick Top. Okay, I um, have you had their pistachio pizza? I have not had their pistachio pizza, but their okay. ribs I think are the best in all of Nashville. Hmm. And I've been to like four different places. I'm also disclaimer. I like saucy ribs. Okay, I like my ribs nice and saucy. Okay, um, I'm not like a rib dry, dry rub good. guy. Okay. So I've had some great rib rubs. Yeah. Um, have you tried BB's Barbecue on Highway 96? It's that little shack. Oh yeah, next. To I've, that yeah, I've station. had I've I've had BB's. They're that they're a great dry rub. Yeah. Have you had their brisket? 
I have not had their brisket. Their brisket may be the best in Middle Tennessee. Okay. Well, I got it. That's literally right near my house. And their turkey, um, their turkey with the white Alabama sauce is my favorite turkey in town. Wow. Like, I would just drive to Franklin just to go to BB's and then drive back to (laughs) (laughs) It's so good, man. It's so good. I mean, the food, I love food. I think everybody does. (laughs) You know what? Some people don't. Some people are like, you know, eat to live people. I'm live to eat. Yeah. 100%. Like I will, if, if you put something in front of me, uh, the only thing I won't eat really are scallops and I'll try them. But every place I've had scallops, I'm just kind of like, I don't like scallops. If you like Brussels sprouts, have you been to Gray's on Main? I have been to Gray's. I'm actually, uh, I've tried to, I've I've, like reached out to perform there and stuff too. So, uh. Yeah, but I've I've never eaten there okay. personally. So I don't know. I don't think their Brussels sprouts are very seasonal, but mm-hmm. I think they're in the fall when I they do their Brussels sprouts. And their Brussels sprouts are my favorite in the city right now. But seventeen, I'm telling you, seventeen ninety nine. It'll take it'll 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 take it'll take the cake. But they me. also uh, Grays on Main has these pimento cheese balls, and I know you don't eat cheese, Oof. but they come out with this pepper jam jelly that's homemade, and it will change your life. Wow. Yeah, we could talk about food. Wow, all that's day. amazing. I, I mean. Have you been able to um, experience any of like the Civil War history in Franklin at all? You know, I uh, I mean, when you're driving through it, you're always going to get some. Um, but I've never, I haven't taken the time yet to kind of like do like I know the bookstore in Franklin has like a whole tour of like you can take a tour of like what the statues mean and and like see the 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 old prison and and all that stuff. I haven't I've yet to do that. It's definitely something that I want to do. Um and even even the hotel that was built. It's like it's called the Harpeth in 1799 and and McGavick's. It's all built on the history of Franklin, Franklin as yeah. well. So um yeah, it's a definitely definitely a historic town. I would um, start if you if you were getting into the history of Franklin, I'll start at the Carnton House, okay? And then do the Carter House the same day. And then next, I'll do the Lots House, mm-hmm. and then because the Lots and the Carter House are very connected, and then I will do like one of the history ghost tours Ooh, if I was experience tours. Franklin history. I do like ghost tours. And then there's also the Civil War Fort Fort Granger that's mm-hmm. right there. Yep, um, it's a super small, very small fort, uh, and doesn't have anything like Fort Nagley does in Nashville. But mm-hmm. if that, if I were to learn the history of the Civil War, that's how I'll, I would approach it. That's awesome. Yeah, I definitely. I mean, I live there. It's like, why, you know, it's like, why not? I, I think this is the thing I've noticed. Most people don't want to study the area they've came or like they're living or coming from. And that's weird. Uh, so I lived in an area in New York near an area called Horseheads. Okay. And so I, I looked into it. I'm like, why in the world is this name, this town <laughs> called Horseheads? And in the Revolutionary War, mm-hmm. uh, there was a, a battle near there, and they cut off all the horse heads of the enemy, and they threw them down the river. Whoa. That's why it's called horse heads. And it's just it, knowing your history of the area you live is very important. Yeah, it's definitely, um, I, I mean, one, it, it makes you a little smarter, uh, a little more knowledgeable, but it's also like, oh, like this is really what happened. There was a lot of blood yeah. <laughs> like, that was shed in Franklin. Well, it's like that's, I think, you know, I think that one of the first things I heard when I moved here was like, there are a lot of spirits here. Like, because it was a civil war, you know, town and, and it's like, you know, so you never know. Yeah, you never know. And I was like, okay, <laughs> so if there's a ghost. And like recently one of my doors has been just like opening and I'm like, okay, okay. 
maybe I just need to check myself. (laughs) (laughs) What does 2021 have in store for you? Hmm, 2021. You know, I don't know if I predict anything anymore. I kind of like to live um, day by day and uh, with, you know, manifestations of the future. So I guess for me, I got an EP coming out. Um, There hasn't been a definitive date of when it will come out, but it will kind of be in that April, May realm, um, which I'm really excited for. And you know, doing more live shows, getting back to the cul-de-sac shows, cul-de-sac concerts. Um, you know, we should make, do one in my cul-de-sac. Yeah, we have. A, I have a huge. Cul-de-sac. You know, why not? Yeah, you that'd know, be awesome. You know, come. I'll send. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna invite you when when we start back up because now it seems like we can probably promote it because last time it was like we should keep it a little. Yeah, you could promote it, and uh, Williamson County doesn't have a mask mandate. Exactly. Longer, so. Exactly. Um, and so I, I got that. It's making more music, writing. Um, spending time with my family. I just, uh, I just became an uncle. So thank you so much. Yeah. It's, uh, it's so, you know, it definitely is. There's something about like, well, my niece is cuter than every other baby. Like there's, there's gotta be, there's something in there because, you know, I see pictures, we get pictures every day and it's just like, wow, I can't wait to just know you. Yeah. Like, but I feel like I already know you. Yeah. Because I was... I'm like, and you know, and you're like, there's so many things. And she looks so much like, like my brother. And, and like, you know, we look at pictures and yeah, yeah. they're identical. Huh. Um, and so that's a whole new chapter that I, not that I didn't expect, but I just know that I'm at a different point than I was when I was 19, where it's like, I'm not in that mental state of being an uncle. And now it's like, oh yeah, I have, I have a niece and I have... You know, all these things, and and my uh, my other brother is almost done with chiropractic school, and that's like a big step. And it's just, I don't know. I just, I I, I love my family so much, and like even my extended family. It's just been, uh, they're so funny, yeah, and they're so like, there's nobody like them. And so this year, I kind of have, I got a Southwest voucher, you know, in the back pocket to just. I want to go see them. And I know that that's been, it's been too long. So that, and you know, when I get there, maybe perform in a few places. Are they still uh, in New Jersey or are they in LA? Well, so I got a, uh, the Darty clan is kind of all over the place. Um, we got some in Pennsylvania. We got some in Vegas. We got some. Uh, where in Pennsylvania? Um, Bethlehem. Okay. Um, I know where that is. Yeah. Um, have you, uh, so if you go to Bethlehem, have you been into uh, Lancaster much? I haven't. I've only been to Pennsylvania to see to see them. And I also, when I was younger, I used to go to a, a skate camp called Woodward. Okay. There is a, uh, so in Lancaster, it's the home of the, like the Amish and everything. Mm-hmm. They have this, it's called the Caboose. It's this old train converted to a restaurant. Oh. It may be the best food I've ever had in the entire United oh, States. Oh, man. Yeah. Because well, Amish Amish food is delicious, <laughs> it really is. Wow, I'm hungry now. Yeah, so that's I a, just want to eat some that's food. The, that's one thing I am really good into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the caboose. I mean, yeah, I'll check that out, man. I mean, if I go up there, and like I said, I don't really eat cheese, but if I'm in Jersey, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a slice. Yeah, of course you, you have, have to. to. You and have personally, to. I think Jersey pizza is better than New York. 
And you know, that's just my stance. Maybe it's because I'm from there, but it's like it's different. It's um, different. They it's different. they definitely for their base. Uh, Jersey pizza definitely has a different type of like tomato type sauce. Mm-hmm. I would say it has more of like an Italian influence yeah. than New York City yeah. sauce. Um, and I'm Italian, so like maybe I like the deeper sauces, the heavier sauces. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, it's it just it depends because like if you go into Northeast Pennsylvania and if you go into New York City mm-hmm. and New Jersey, it's all different types of pizza. But it's all good. But it's all good. It's and it's all better good. than other pizzas. It's better than anywhere else <laughs> in the in the country. And it's because of the water. Yeah. It's because the, the way that they make the bread is so different. I mean, getting pizza in LA is like and people are like, yo, this place is awesome. And you go and it's And I'm like, this is good. Yeah. But have I you mean, been to Joey's House of Pizza yet in Nashville? I have not. Okay. He's so he's from Brooklyn, New York. It's okay. the closest thing you can get to a New York okay. slice. And he also does this pizza. This pizza, it's called the Gladiator, and it's two inches thick. Oh it has ham. Uh, is that like a Sicilian wrap? Is that like a Sicilian kind pizza? Kind of. Okay. Uh, it, it will change your life. You, you, <laughs> may, you may be uh, a little constipated afterwards, but it is a good experience. Listen, if if that's all that happens, yeah, you know, then you know, you know I'm going to risk good. the biscuit. But the, the they have good cannolis. Um, nice, and that's that's one thing Nashville doesn't really have yet is good cannolis. But they have they have that market covered. Yeah, I think um, I, I think Italian food anywhere else other than um, like the Northeast, and that's kind of where like they like you know stayed. But I, I mean, I'd love a, a really good Italian place down here. And I've been to like Cafe Nona, and I thought Cafe Nona was pretty good. Have you been to? Um Coco's Italian Market. I have not been to Coco's over Italian. in West Nashville, so they import everything fresh from Italy as I much love as they, as much as they can. I love that. Uh, another really good pizzeria is DeSanos, and they okay. import everything from Italy. Awesome. Yeah, like I love hearing that because I'm, you know, I mean the food here is good. The food here is good, but it's just like you know sometimes you just want an authentic. I've heard. Um, so this one is called Yolan. Okay, and he is a three-star Michelin. Sh- I've chef. heard. I've heard Yolan. And, chef at seventeen ninety-nine. Um, I've heard the most. Inc- I've heard as good of reviews as I've heard about seventeen ninety-nine. Okay, so hey. but I know it's expensive, like seventy-five dollars a plate for pasta. Oh man, yeah. I don't know, man. I I my I don't spend money on a lot of things, but food is one of those things where I'm like, if I'm going. Why not just get the best? Yeah, absolutely. Why not just go in? Like, I, that's one of the big reasons why I want to travel. It's like, yeah, I want to see everything, and I'd like to hike Mount Olympus and, you know, do the whole thing. But I want to eat everywhere. I want to have the best food. I want to have the best Greek food. I want to have the best sushi. I, want to, I just want to eat everywhere. That sounds like a good world trip. It's a good it's world a, trip, it's right? It's just a good food world now, tour. Now, if I was on a world tour, it would make everything so much better. Because it's already paid for. Because it's already paid for, <laughs> you know. I could probably get into certain places yeah, yeah. quicker. But I don't know, man. That's the goal. Yeah. So now let's talk about your song, Foolish. What's Absolutely. the What's the inspiration behind this song? So Foolish, I, uh, I wrote in one day. Um, it was the day after Halloween in 2018. And I was hungover. And I saw that I had a text from my ex from the night before. And I was so pissed that I didn't answer her. And I was just feeling all crappy and, like you know, kind of keep the windows closed and everything. And I just sat down at the piano and I started writing this. And I kind of just let the emotion come out. And basically what I was working through was that, 
even though I was the one who broke up with her, it doesn't mean I stopped loving her. Like, it was not like I could just turn it off. It doesn't mean that I could just turn it off like that. And that was really hard for me to realize. But in the process of writing and kind of, especially then coming into the studio, um, right when I got here, and it was actually the first song we recorded, it was just like a whole, it, it's a very emotional song. Um, it's the ballad, you know, and, uh, and yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. I'm yeah. looking forward to hearing it. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good one. And, and the journey that's come from that and like, you know, it's like sometimes I don't know how certain songs come to be or like why certain songs last or why they take the form that they do. But to me, Foolish was always one of those that was always in my heart. It would always have a special spot. Like no matter what, no matter if I was even in a good mood two years later, I would just be like, Foolish. you know, like it's still there. Um and so I'm so glad that it's out now for everybody to hear. And, and the response that I've gotten is just so nice. Well, let's take a listen to it. Yeah, let's do it. Tonight 
Such a good song, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for playing that here of in course. studio. Yeah, thank you for having yeah, a little keyboard on our folding table. Yeah. <laughs> My headphones were being sassy. I don't know what happens. They just don't want to stay on. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Well, Troy, thank you so much for coming and recording the Nashville Daily Podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, man.